My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you are having a wonderful week and uh, I'm excited for what the Lord has put on my heart to minister to you. And uh, I noticed that Veterans Day uh, is right around this time that I'm releasing this and I wanted to uh, wanted to do something special for that and yet this is a word that's been on my heart for a while and so when the Lord put this message on my heart, I had kind of looked at the upcoming holidays to see if there was something that would kind of correlate with it. And I was pleased to see that Veterans Day was coming up, and I thought that would be a good time to release it. Uh, because, uh, you know, I like to do things um, in honor of, of people, and I, I want to honor those who have sacrificed and given themselves and served for the sake of other people. And it's a precious and honorable thing. And uh, so I'm excited about the the topic today and the subject that we're going to be getting into. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to delve into the Word. I thank you for helping me to minister what you would have the listeners hear today, Father. A word fitly spoken, a word in due season. Father, and I pray that these words would add strength and help and life to the people who are listening to it, Father, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, today's podcast is entitled, A Good Soldier. Let's get right into the word, shall we? In, uh, in the book of First Timothy, I'm sorry, Second Timothy, in the book of Second Timothy, chapter 2, and verse 1, he says this, You therefore, my son, be strong. Now that's a good way to start the passage, be strong. But that's not what, uh, what he ended it with. He didn't just say be strong. He said, you therefore be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Praise God. I'm excited about this message today. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship. Another translation says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said, you, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone completes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes, watch this, according to the rules. Oh, come on, praise God. Unless he competes according to the rules. Let me say this to you. To fight God's way, you must fight according to his rules. Ooh, come on, it's good already. Praise God. <laughs> and, and, and just in the beginning here, what is one of the big rules 
that he's already listed when it comes to fighting the way God wants you to fight, being strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Come on, praise God. He goes on to say, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He said, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you this in the beginning. Was Paul a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Yes. (laughs) What made him a good soldier? What made Paul a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Well, what did he tell Timothy? Be strong in the grace. What else made Paul a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Or what else did he tell Timothy? Seeking to please the one who enlisted him. Seeking to please the one who enlisted him. These things made Paul a good soldier. They made Timothy a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if they made Paul and Timothy good soldiers of Jesus Christ, Wonder if they'll make you and me a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What are we talking about? Being strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ and seeking to please the one who enlisted us. Let me say this to you. If a good soldier is seeking to please the one who enlisted him, that means he won't be seeking to please everybody else. And that will produce enemies. And those enemies tend to shoot at him. That's what enemies do. If you're not seeking to please everybody else, then you're going to make enemies. And enemies shoot at soldiers. All right. Well, so let me ask you this. Here in the beginning, how do I handle that? How do I, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, how do I handle being shot at? (laughs) How do I handle the flaming arrows of the enemy? How do I handle when people throw stones at me? How do I handle persecution? Well, he told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. But uh, this is something I want to point out to you here in the beginning. And this is very significant, and it's something that the Lord pointed out to me, I believe. And it's something that I never quite saw this way. Paul told Timothy to endure hardness. He did not tell Timothy to develop hardness. Oh, come on. Are you listening? Paul told Timothy to endure hardness. He did not tell Timothy to develop hardness. 
<laughs> Why do I say that? Because to endure something means I am standing against it without it getting into me. If I'm enduring temptation, that means I'm not giving into the temptation. I'm not giving in to the thing that's coming against me. If I'm resisting fear, fear's not getting in me. So if I'm enduring hardness, that means the hardness isn't getting in me. Why? Because he told me to be strong in the grace. And I'll tell you this right now. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient for me. His grace is made perfect his power is made perfect in my weakness. So that tells me that it's not about how strong I am. It's about how strong the grace is and whether or not I'm being strong in that grace. We're going somewhere with this. Praise God. But if I endure temptation, I'm standing against it and not, not allowing it to get in me. If I endure slander and wrong treatment, then I'm overcoming evil with good, and I'm loving my enemies. Why? Because Jesus told me to shake the dust off of myself. And I'm told not to return evil for evil. Why? I'm enduring it. It's not getting in me. Do you see that? I'm enduring it, and it's not changing me. Do you see that? <laughs> I'm not being affected by what's coming against me. I'm not being changed by what's coming against me. Why? Because I've got something greater on the inside of me. I, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I, what did he tell uh, the, the readers that he was writing to, the church that he was writing to in 1 John? He said, you are strong, young men, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Why did they overcome the evil one, and why were they strong? Not because of their strength, but because of the word that was abiding in them. Do you see that? Now, we're going somewhere with that, too. It was the word that was abiding in them. Praise God. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 15. We're talking about being a soldier, talking about... Uh, battle, fighting. What does a soldier do? He goes to battle. He fights. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, I labored more abundantly than they all, and yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Remember earlier when he said, I endure all things? Well, if he labored by the grace of God, how do you reckon that he endured? By the grace of God. See, it all comes back to the grace. Now, I did a podcast a while back called The Price is Right, and I talked about this, this mindset of, well, you just got to pay the price. You just got to pay the price. If you want the anointing, you just got to pay the price. If you want to see miracles, you just got to pay the price. If you want to accomplish your dreams and your goals, you just got to pay the price. But here's the thing that people can miss in that. They can think that they have to pay the price in themselves. And the truth is, baby, to do what God's called you to do, you can't afford it <laughs> in and of yourself. That's why it's by His grace. I am strong in the grace. What is grace? It's a gift. I, I operate 
by that grace. I labor by that grace. I'm a co-laborer with him, and it's all by that grace. And I don't agree with that mindset of you just got to pay the price. Because if I could pay the price, that would imply that I had something that was worth what I'm after. And if I'm seeking more anointing, if I'm seeking precious spiritual fruit, that does not come by anything that I can pay with. It comes, as Isaiah 55 says, by coming to the waters, he who has no money, and drinking and receiving that grace, being strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about being lazy and sitting on the couch and making confessions. We'll get into that. But it's by the grace of God that we do what we do. Watch this in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. He says this, Whoever goes to war at his own expense. Oh, come on. (laughs) He said, Who goes to war at his own expense? In other words, if I'm going to war in the name of somebody, if I'm an American soldier, let's say, and I'm going to war, I'm not the one paying for everything. I'm not the one who's footing the bill. Why? Because I'm, I'm under the one who enlisted me. They're paying for it. I, it's not my job. It's not American soldier's job to try and come up and raise enough money to be able to go to war. That's not how that works. Now, they do have to endure hardness. But the, the price is not something that they pay for. They are, it's paid by the government that's sending them. And he goes on to say, Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruits? Or who tends a flock and does not drink the milk of the flock? He said, you partake of it. You partake of the milk. You partake of the flock. Why? Because you're stewarding that flock. And he said, nobody goes to war at his own expense. And look at this in Romans eight sixteen. And I know people will say, well, yeah, Ben, but there's a suffering that comes with being a Christian and a follower of Christ. I absolutely agree. The Bible says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But watch this. Romans eight sixteen says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer, how? If we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What does it mean to suffer with Jesus? Well, I talked about this in the podcast, The Price is Right, but it means I'm not doing it alone. I'm not the one really taking the shots. I'm suffering, but I'm suffering with him. I'm suffering for his sake. Uh, Jesus talked about how if people speak against you for my sake or on my account, don't hold it against them. Why? Because it's on my account. In other words, I'm not paying for it. In other words, I'm not suffering alone. Do you see that? It's by the grace of God. The grace of God is absorbing that. (laughs) And listen, soldiers get shot at, but not because of who they are, but because of who enlisted them. 
Look at this in John 15, 20. He said, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Why would they persecute you? Because you're with him. He said, if you get persecuted on my account for my sake, this is something that is taking place because of our identifying with him, because of our, our, our obedience to him. So if we're doing something in his name, at his direction, and there's opposition, or there's a need, or something's coming against us, who is taking responsibility for that? The one who enlisted us. Jesus is saying, listen, put it on my account. Put it on my account. Amen. Um, the good news is, is that the one who enlisted us gave us weapons <laughs> and he gave us armor. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, uh, other translations say imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. This is a big part of doing that, is casting down imaginations and taking thoughts captive. And this is a big part of spiritual warfare that people don't talk about enough. But we have weapons and we have armor because we have a warfare. And we are to fight the good fight of faith. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. How? In the Lord. Or you could say, in the grace. <laughs> be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So I'm not being strong in my own might. I'm being strong in Him and in the power of His might. Why? Because I'm suffering with Him. I'm not suffering alone. I'm not the one carrying this load. Yes, I'm laboring. Yes, I'm suffering. Yes, I'm enduring. Yet not I. Come on. But the grace that is in me. He goes on to say, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He said, above all, take this shield of faith. And by it, you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let me say this to you. The shield is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Did it say that? Yes. So, 
if fiery darts are getting through to me, is it because the shield wasn't able to quench them? <laughs> Come on. If fiery darts are getting through to you, if they're getting through to me, if they're hitting their mark, if they're doing damage, is it because the shield wasn't able to quench them? No. It's because I wasn't holding up my shield. In other words, I didn't keep my faith built up. I didn't stay in faith. I didn't feed my faith. I didn't exercise my faith. The problem is not the shield. The problem is not holding up the shield. If I'll hold up the shield, if I'll develop my faith, if I'll feed my faith and stay strong in faith, then the fiery darts won't be able to get to me, according to the Word of God. Now, he said, above all, take the shield of faith. And remember, what did he tell Timothy? Fight the good fight of faith. Now, Romans chapter 5 tells us that it is by faith that we access this grace that is in Jesus Christ. So if I need strength, and there's strength in the grace, what do I need to access that? Faith. So if I need faith to access the grace that's going to make me strong in the Lord and able to withstand all the fiery darts of the enemy and able to endure hardness, what is it that the enemy is going to attack? My faith. He is going to attack my faith to cut off my access to the grace where the strength is. Do you see that? Praise God. Look at this in Luke 22, verse 31. The Lord said, talking to Simon Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. He's saying, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to pay the price, Lord. <laughs> I'm willing to pay the price. Jesus is talking to him about his faith, and Peter's boasting about his strength. Mm. You see that? He's boasting about his willingness to endure all these hard things, but Jesus is trying to talk to him about his faith. And he said, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. See, we see something in this that when there's too much reliance or really any reliance on your strength, and your ability, and your this or your that, you are asking for an opportunity to be tempted into failure. And what's failure going to do? It's going to try to affect your faith. And if your faith is in your own strength, the enemy knows he's got you. Because he's boasting to Jesus about what he's willing to do, and Jesus is trying to tell him, buddy, your faith is in danger, but I've prayed for you. That's your faith not fail. Jesus is talking to Peter about his faith, and Peter is talking to Jesus about his commitment and how, watch this, tough he is. <laughs> how tough he is. 
Oh, I'm tough. I can take it. It kind of reminds me of that scene on Infinity War when Drax is like, go ahead, I can take it. And she's like, no, he can't take it, you know. And there's so many times we're like, oh, I can take it. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, you can't take it. (laughs) You can't take it. But you know who can take it? Listen to me. You know who can take the heat? You know who can take the fiery darts? You know who can take the stones? Watch this. The one who enlisted you. And you know what else can take those fiery darts of the enemy? Your shield of faith. Come on. Your shield of faith and that faith being in the one who enlisted you. That is what will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Not, watch this, your thick skin. Mm, Again, he told Timothy to endure hardness. Not to develop it. Now, I've heard some things about this. Uh, You know, I'll get to that in a second. But you got to be careful about putting the emphasis on me developing thick skin. Because what a lot of people call thick skin can actually be a calloused heart. And the Bible warns us in Hebrews about not being hardened in our heart. You got to watch out about that. And why would you become hard in your heart? Because you're the one trying to take everything. You're the one trying to take the blows. And that will make a person hard over time. But that's not how we're supposed to be. I'll get more into this in just a second. But Satan wants to get rid of your shield of faith. Because he wants to get rid of your defense. He wants to get rid of the only thing that is defending you against his fiery darts and that is giving you access to the grace that makes you strong. Now, I'll go ahead and and touch on it. You just need thick skin. You need to develop some thick skin. Okay, now I'll say this just here in the beginning. I've heard people use that phrase and it, it was rightly used because of what they were talking about. And in a certain context, that is a right thing to say. Because of what they were referring to. So don't, if you hear that somewhere, don't assume I'm coming against that. But listen to what the Lord is saying in this podcast. You don't need thick skin if you're wearing the armor. Oh, come on. Listen. You don't need thick skin if you're holding up your shield of faith. Oh, come on. You don't need thick skin if you're being strong in the grace. You don't need thick skin. If the love of God that's on the inside of you is dominating you. Why? Because that love can take it. Jesus said, they're persecuting you, but it's on my account. It's on my account. In other words, you don't have to take it. I already took it. My grace is taking it. Praise God. God didn't tell you to to just take it. He told you to take up your shield of faith. Oh, come on. I'm going to say that again. God didn't tell you to take it. He told you to take up your shield of faith. Amen. Glory to God. And you you hear people say things, you know, you just need to endure. You just need to endure. Well, he said endure hardness as a good soldier that's in Jesus Christ. But what did he say right before that? Be strong in the grace. You need to be strong in the Lord and in the grace of Jesus Christ, and you need to be dressed in your armor. 
And that's how you stand. That's how you endure. It's not by your strength or your ability to do it. Listen, with the kind of stuff that comes against people who are following God's plan and doing His will, you don't have enough to endure that. You can't. You don't have enough to provide for that. You don't have enough to sustain that. You can't do that. The only thing that can sustain God's plan and will is His glory. And the more of His glory that's manifested, this is why Moses went all that time without eating or drinking, not because he was starving himself, but because he was sustained by the glory. Amen. You know, people talk about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. I'll get into this in a minute, maybe. But people think that Jesus was starving for 40 days. He was not. The Bible said that he fasted for 40 days, and after the fast had ended, he afterward hungered. What does that tell me? The glory was sustaining him for those 40 days. He didn't get hungry until after the fast had ended. Come on. The glory was sustaining him. And when you're doing the will of God, the grace of God, and the power of God is sustaining you and holding you up when you're doing what he's called you to do. This is why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. And just like we read earlier, who goes to war at his own expense? It's not my job to pay the price of the battle. My job is to be strong in the grace, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And again, soldiers get shot at, but that's why you have a shield. I've quoted this several times, but I'll go ahead and read it. Jesus said in Matthew 5.11 in the Amplified, Blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of your outward conditions, are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. He said it's on my account. If it's on his account, then it's not on my account. This is a revelation into when Stephen said, lay this sin not to their charge. What is their charge? Their account. Don't lay it to their account. If it's not being laid to their account, whose account is it being laid to? Jesus. Why? Because he paid the price. Oh, come on. Thank you, Lord. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus told the disciples to shake the dust. Don't carry it. Don't carry it with you into the next town. Don't let this thing settle on you and sit on you. Why? Because that's you trying to take it. He told you to shake that off. Why? Because he already paid the price. It went on his account. Amen. Glory to God. Now, here's the thing. If you're fighting the battle of the Lord, you can't afford it. (laughs) But he can. You don't go to war at your own expense. And you can't take the flaming arrows of the enemy. But the shield of faith can't. Praise God. Um, Now here's something I want to address. People say things like, you just need to be tough to be in the ministry. (laughs) You just need to be tough to be in the ministry. Why? Because Satan's going to attack you. And Satan's going to come against you. And the higher the anointing, new levels, new devils. 
The Bible says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he wants to devour. Uh-uh. Seeking whom he may. So, Satan doesn't have access to attack me because of how anointed I am. Or am not. <laughs> or because of how anointed you are. Or are not. He attacks those whom he has access to. Does that make sense? He attacks those who he has an open door to attack. Now, he may want to attack somebody that's walking in more of the anointing. But that does not mean he is able to attack them. And here's something I'll say. Jesus was tempted by the devil immediately after he was anointed. And that's true that the devil is going to target people who are walking in a higher level of the anointing. That does not mean he has access to them. Why is he tempting Jesus to try and gain access? What does that tell us? He didn't have access. Why else would he be tempting you? And here's the thing. Why is the enemy tempting you? Why would the enemy be tempting Jesus? Because he's trying to get at your faith. Do you see this? Because if you yield to something you know is wrong, and you do something you know is wrong, it's going to affect your heart. It's going to affect your faith. And if he can affect your faith, he can cut off your access to the grace that makes you strong. Do you see that? That's why he be tempting Jesus. And yes, Satan targets the anointing. But at the same time, you got to watch out about this because the anointing makes things smoother. <laughs> the anointing is power and it makes things work more. And, and demons hate the anointing. So the higher the manifestation of the anointing, the farther away demons are going to be. What did he say? Submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. Many times the reason why the devil is not fleeing is because people are not submitting to the one who enlisted them. And that's another thing I'll say about a good soldier. A good soldier knows how to submit. Oh, come on. A good soldier knows how to submit. What did that centurion say to Jesus? He said, he said, I am also a man who is under authority and I have authority over other people. And I say to this one, do this, and he does it. And what did Jesus say about that man? Great is your faith. But do you see how his faith was attached to the submission? And so many people, Jesus resisted the devil and the devil fleed. <laughs> he didn't struggle. He didn't fight with the devil over temptation. He quoted the word. And there's more I could get into about this. But Jesus fought well in the face of temptation. Why? Because he knew what was written and he was submitted to the Father. And he fought a good fight. He waged a good warfare. Amen. And this is what we talked about in 1 John. He said, the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Amen. And uh, back to what I was saying earlier, though, people say you just need to be tough to be in the ministry. Well, no, 
you need to be strong in the grace and you need to be dressed in your armor and you need to be under authority because when you're under authority, you can take authority over the enemy. Jesus talked about in Matthew 10, he said, I've given you all authority uh, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. He said, freely you have received, freely give. In other words, you've received authority from me, now use it. You've received this anointing from me, now use it. But do you see how it's attached to the receiving? And I'll say this to you, when it comes to submitting to God and resisting the devil, if you are not completely under God's authority, you cannot exercise complete authority over the enemy. If you are not completely under his authority, you cannot exercise authority over him. Why? You have to be submitted to the one who enlisted you. Amen. Glory to God. And it's not about me being tough. It's about me being strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. It's about me being submitted. It's about me walking in Him and walking in His power. Amen. And the more submitted I am to Him, the more of His grace is going to flow to me. Why? Because God gives grace to the humble. Amen. So it's not about my toughness. It's not about my thick skin. It's about my humility, my submission. It's about my faith in the one who enlisted me. Amen. And the access that that gives me to the grace that makes me strong. Praise God. And, you know, people talk about, well, you know, you just need to bear up and endure everything like a good soldier. But they're, they're taking a part of a verse and separating it from the rest. Why? The Bible says that love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It did not say that you bear up under everything that comes. It said that the love of God on the inside of you bears up under anything and everything that comes. Let me say it to you this way. I endured the persecution, yet not I, but the love that was in me. Oh, come on. I, I forgave them, yet not I, but the love that was in me. I'm not relying on myself to be a good soldier. A good soldier is strong in the grace. He's strong in the faith. He's strong in the love. Do you see this? This is what it means to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you know, the people who are the hardest to offend are not the people with the toughest personalities or the quote-unquote thickest skin. The people that are the hardest to offend are the people who are the most mature in love. I'm going to say it again. The people who are the hardest to offend are not the people with the thickest skin or the toughest personalities, but those who are the most mature in and the most submitted to the love of God. Those are the people that are the hardest to offend. Those are the people who are the quickest to forgive. So in this next part, and coming to toward the end of this, I want to talk about this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And, you know, we are to be loving and kind and gentle toward people. But we are not to be that way with the unseen enemy that we face, because God is not that way. 
And we are in a spiritual fight. And we are to treat our spiritual enemy like the enemy. And God wants us to have a fighting spirit toward the enemy. Something you got to watch out about, though, is trying to get that to translate or letting that translate to people. What do I mean by that? Being hardened toward people. Being, being calloused toward people and thinking that that has something to do with being a, a spiritual warrior. No, not true. Um, we are told to be tender-hearted toward each other, forgiving one another as God has forgiven us. And so we're not supposed to be hard and tough on people. And people talk about tough love. I don't agree with what a lot of people describe when they talk about tough love. Love in itself is strong enough to do what needs to be done. You don't need a tough version of love. The implication is that regular love is weak and not tough. No, I don't agree with that. Love is love. And love will do the right thing. Love will tell somebody what they need to hear. Love will correct people. Love will discipline. But it's not a tough version of love. Love is love. And it's not a different kind of love. It's not a different brand of love. It's not like, oh, we've got the, we've got the Walmart brand love and then we've got the tough brand of love. Well, we better go with the tough brand of love for this. No, love is love. And it has different manifestations. One of the things that the Bible says God does because he loves us is disciplines us. So I don't like these different versions of love that people have come up with. No, love is love. And if you'll yield to love, if you'll submit to love, you'll always respond rightly, no matter what the situation is. Amen. Glory to God. And God does want us to have a fighting spirit against the enemy. But that's not supposed to translate to people. Look at this in uh, Psalm 18. I'm getting close to the end here. He said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. You know, David had the victories he had because he didn't put confidence in his own strength, but in the name of the Lord. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He calls God his shield. David wasn't putting his trust in his own strength. He's putting trust in God as his strength and God as his shield. Is that David trying to take what's being thrown at him? No. That's David putting his trust in his shield. Now, you skip down several verses. Uh, he talks about, He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Somebody say, they were too strong for me. If they're too strong for you, that means you need somebody else to step in. And that's what he's talking about. He said, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted me. Watch this. For by you, I can run against a troop and by my God, I can leap over a wall. He said, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield 
to all that trust in him. He said, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Why? Because I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, I'm strong in the grace. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. And watch this. Your gentleness has made me great. You see, this is something you got to watch out for. People say, well, I'm just teaching my kids that the world's not a soft place and, 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 and I'm hard and I'm going to teach them to be hard. I'm being hard on them so that they get hard so they, they are not you know, beaten up by the world and they understand that the world's a hard place. That's wrong. He said, your gentleness has made me great. The fruit of the Spirit is not hardness. I'm going to say that again. The fruit of the Spirit is not hardness. It's gentleness. Jesus said, learn of me for I am hard. No, learn of me for I am meek. I am gentle. He said, your gentleness has made me great. A good soldier is somebody who has a gentle spirit. Oh, come on. Now, that's not something that a lot of people like, but it's the Bible. A good soldier has a spirit of gentleness. Praise God. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. Now, what is this a picture of? This is a picture of the grace of God being on your side. This is what it looks like when God is on your side, when God is with you, when you are operating in the grace of God. You are not operating in your strength or your ability to do anything. You are operating in this grace that is lifting you up, that is holding you up, that's supporting you. What did 1 Peter 5 say? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But he goes on to say, be steadfast in the faith and resist the devil. Stand fast against the devil. But he said, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace will strengthen, establish, and perfect you. He'll strengthen you. I'm not on my own. And when it says suffer a little while, I like to say it this way. God will allow you to resist the devil just long enough to fully exercise your free will. But then here comes the grace. God is not expecting you to rely on your own strength. And your own strength is not enough to win the battles of the Lord. Come on. You can't afford the battle of the Lord. And your strength isn't enough to win the battle of the Lord. But His grace is sufficient for you. His faith that He's put in you, that can win the battle. Amen. Glory to God. It is faith that overcomes the world. Leviticus 26, verse 3, it says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, I will give peace in the land, 
and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. And I will rid the land of the evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Why is this happening? Because God is with them. Could could five people do that on their own? No. Could a hundred people put 10,000 to flight on their own? Absolutely not. But you can do it if you're strong in the grace. You can do it if the Lord's with you. You can do it if you're being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Do you see that? This is how you win spiritual battles. It's not in your own strength. You can't win it in your own strength. And if you think you're tough enough to take what's coming, you're like Peter. And if you try to rely on your strength, you won't last the night. You wouldn't last in a fight with a mad chicken (laughs) in your own strength. Now, let me uh, touch on this for just a moment. 1 Samuel 17, 38 says, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed them with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Let me say this to you. If you're going to fight well, you have to use the weapons that the Lord gave you. And you have to use what you've tested, what you've proven. You have to be strong in the grace. And you are not going to fight well trying to go in somebody else's armor. Or trying to go in somebody else's identity. Or trying to do what somebody else tried to commission you to do. You've got to know what God has commissioned you to do, and that means you've got to seek to please the one who enlisted you. That's how you fight well. Look at this in 1 Timothy 1.18. This this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. He said the prophecies concerning you, you don't need to know everything about everything. You need to know what concerns you and what doesn't. And what doesn't concern you can be a weight that hinders you from fighting a good warfare. You know, this reminds me of what Jesus told Martha. One thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part that won't be taken away from her. You know, imagine trying to play basketball in football gear. Imagine if ground troops dressed like Navy SEAL divers. (laughs) Would that hinder them from fighting a good fight? Would that hinder the basketball player from playing a good game? Yes. And this is why Hebrews 12 talks about laying aside every weight and running with, with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Who, who did what? Endured the cross and despised the shame because of the joy that was set before him. We've got to lay aside every weight and look unto Jesus, the one who enlisted us, the captain of our salvation. 
That's how we run a good race. That's how we fight the good fight of faith, by looking to the author and the finisher of it. Amen. Glory to God. Let me read this to you real quick. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, you know what's for you and what's not. And you don't feed on what everyone else feeds on necessarily. Watch this. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Now we got to be careful about fighting with uncertainty and beating the air. Why would you be doing that? Maybe because somebody else tried to dress you in their armor. Maybe because of a tradition that got passed down. You know, God has a strategy that he knows is effective. I like what my my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, says, if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. And God has a strategy. And when we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we'll receive that strategy from him. But we have to keep our eyes on him because he knows the strategy for the battle that he's sending us into. Amen. And we got to be careful about trying to let other people strategize for a battle that they're not even called into. (laughs) That just came right out of my heart. But, you know, Jesus talked about vain repetition and much speaking. You know, um... You got to be careful about thinking that you're going to change things in the spirit because of the force and the frequency of your confession. Let me say it to you like this. It's not about the quantity or the volume of your words. It's about the quality and the anointing on them. I'm going to say that again. It's not about the quantity or the volume of your words. It's about the quality and and the anointing on them. Jesus spoke nine words to the fig tree and it dried up. (laughs) But a big part of this comes back to submission. If you're not submitted under God, if you're not receiving from God, then you're not going to have the power you're supposed to have. If you're not abiding in the vine, then you're not going to bear the fruit you're supposed to bear. But, we got to watch out about things that are beating the air, that we're trying to force things with no oil. We're trying to make things happen. We're trying to push. We're trying to confess, and we're exhausting ourselves in it. Do you see that? And that's trying to operate in our own strength rather than burning the oil that he gave us. Now, sometimes that's because we get involved in things that he didn't tell us to get involved in. And that's a sneak peek of next week's podcast. But other times, it's because we're not abiding in Him, we're not relying on Him, or we're not fully submitted to Him. Because that's where the grace is. And the highest faith that Jesus praised had to do with submission. 
to God. Amen. Now, in light of this, this is something I want to touch on here real quick at the end. When it comes to beating the air, and if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. You know, people talk about pleading the blood of Jesus. And I, I plead the blood over this, and I plead the blood over that. And, and that's a good thing. But we got to be careful that that doesn't become vain repetition or a superstition. Because anytime something that's a truth in the Word becomes that, it loses its power. Jesus said, you have made the Word of God of no effect by your tradition. And we need to stop treating the pleading of the blood like spraying sunscreen or spraying bug spray. And I'm not being irreverent. I'm addressing a mindset that's not right. Because the truth is, when we plead the blood, that's a legal term. And we are pleading something that has already been shed, already been done. The blood is in heaven. It's on the altar and it's speaking for us. And we are pleading what's already been done. The blood speaks for me. And the blood covers me. The blood cleanses me. The blood separates me. But I got to be careful about this mentality of, well, I've, I've got to plead the blood every 24 hours and it expires every 24 hours. And if I don't plead the blood every 24 hours, or I, some of that can get into vain repetition. Because again, it's all about your faith. Where's your faith? And if you're doing something out of repetition rather than faith, you're not accessing the grace. You're not accessing what's already been provided. So what we should say is, Lord, I thank you for the blood. And Father, I thank you that I'm covered by the blood. I thank you that the blood speaks for me. I thank you that the blood is covering my family tonight. And Father, I plead that blood and I hold up that blood in the face of the enemy. And I remind the enemy of the blood. And you see, that's how faith talks. And you want to stir yourself up and make sure that you're not doing things out of vain repetition. Because some of that can be beating the air rather than actually putting faith in the blood and what it's already done, where it is, what it's doing, what it represents, what it means for me. The blood speaks for me. Amen. And I don't want to get into this vain repetition and beating the air and trying to, to force things. I want to put faith in what's already been provided for me by grace. And, and this is also true of authority. I mentioned this, but in order to operate in complete authority, I have to be completely under his authority. And I have to recognize that my authority comes from him. He said, freely you have received freely give. And here's the thing, talking about being seated in heavenly places. The Bible says in Ephesians that I have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It didn't say that I needed to try and be seated or I needed to make sure that I'm seated. It said I have been seated. So what I need is a revelation and a reminder of what is mine in Christ. If I'm fighting, if I'm doing things, and I'm not confident that it's doing something in the Spirit, I'm not confident that it's having an effect, what is that? That's fighting with uncertainty. 
that's beating the air. And I would rather wait until I can act in faith and, and, and not respond until I get something from the Lord and do it in faith. And if I'll be more selective, I'll be more effective. Amen. Glory to God. And this all has to do with being a good soldier of Jesus Christ and waging a good warfare. Amen. Praise God. Let me read this last scripture to you and I'll let you go. Revelation 19, 11 through 14. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Who's he talking about? That's you and that's me. Following the captain of our salvation into battle. What did he say in Hebrews? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Listen, in order to be a good soldier, in order to please the one who enlisted me, I have to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I have to keep my eyes on the captain of my salvation. And I can't get entangled with the affairs of life. I can't try to operate in my own strength. I've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I've got to lay aside every weight and things that would try to entangle me and ensnare me. And I've got to look to the author and the finisher of my faith and seek only to please the one who enlisted me. And it is by his grace and my faith in that grace that I fight the good fight of faith. And I don't beat the air. I don't fight with uncertainty. I fight like Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I'm praying and hoping you got something out of this today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.